that might have the name of the show. <laughs> well, this week on Reliving the Extreme, we are Sweaty discussing the, the <laughs> we are discussing the ma- the match, I guess, the episode of ECW from August 29th, 1995. Nate Maxson, your host here with you along with my brother Aaron. Hello. And a man who Back in the saddle, feeling better. He wasn't with us last week, but Chad Austin, the star of the show, is back. Are you, you uh, put me over yet? Yeah. Oh, I, I you are uh, kind of like blacked out for a second. Either that, or I just walked in and I walked away from the uh, speaker connection. No, I, I just said you weren't with us last week, so the star of the show is back. Last week's probably our lowest yeah. rated episode because it was just me and Aaron. People are like, we don't want to listen to these fucking bones, but um. Uh, before we get into, it's going to be a quick show this week, folks, because this episode of ECW, and I'm not knocking the match itself, but it is literally, you know, the expression, a one-match show. This is literally a one-match show that we're going to review this week. But before we get into that, we have not convened as a team uh, to do the show since the passing of the Iron Sheik, Chad. So I know you had some history with the Sheik and uh, just didn't know if you wanted to tell us some stories or, or some memories of the late great Castro. Uh oh boy. <laughs> yeah. I mean we're we're doing we're doing a show about ECW. Um Cheeky Baby, he was ECW before ECW. That guy, man. Um just um how he he would go from he would like treat you like the greatest bubble of all time. And then in, in the next breath, he'd be calling you a fucking jabroni and be, and he tried to he tried to throw me out of out of my car. <laughs> <laughs> we, we were I was driving him, and we were we were we were uh, we were doing a show at a FOP lodge, Fraternal Order of Police, right? And we pulled right and Cheeky Baby told me to pull right in the front right the front spot, like where the commander parks or whatever they call them, whoever the commanders of the top notch guys or whatever. And I'm parking right there, and all of a sudden, this dude just starts pulling out weed and starts ro- rolling joints. And I'm going, Cheek, we're right here in front of the goddamn police like station or, or whatever. And all of a sudden, he starts yelling at me and calling me a jabroni, and he tells me to get out of the car. I said, it's my car. And he, he kind of threw his hand, he just got through his hands in the air. Like he did, he just continued. He, he must have rolled, I don't know, 12 joints, maybe 15 <laughs> joints. Like he just kept rolling them the whole entire time, you know. And then there was a time where, um, this is probably one, of, well, there was a couple, and there was another memorable story, but I really can't get into that one. But um, there was one where we were like, we were doing like road shows. Where we were like on the road for like a week. And he was working slaughter every night, and I was his Ayatollah guy. And um, and we had hotels, you know, every night we had hotels. And uh, I, I was in my room, and I just heard this big, loud commotion in the hallway. And I just got up, and I opened my door, and I see naked-ass Sheik running down the hallway, chasing some little skinny black dude, or no, Hispanic dude. And he's carrying a fucking sword, the Sheik is. And, he, and he's yelling, I, I'll kill you, I'll kill you, Jabroni, kill you, Jabroni. And, um, and like, and the guy sold him oregano. Cause I had, I pulled the sheet back in my, into my room. And I was like, you got, you, you cannot do this. 
And then, uh, and then he's like, he pulled the bag out. I'm like, you bought that? And he's like, yeah, I'll kill that motherfucker. Like, dude, he's he's way gone. He like he like ran through a room and jumped over a balcony. Like, <laughs> like you're you're chasing him down the hallway, a big 250 pound Iranian guy swinging a sword naked. Oh yeah, that guy. That he's, guy's gone. <laughs> he's ne- he's never coming back to this building so, ever he, again. He ain't never gonna sell any oregano in that fucking hotel anymore. But yeah, that them chic stories, man. I mean, like just. Like, Danny brought him in from MCW. He brought him in just for his wedding. Like, just to have him there. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like the cake. <laughs> the wedding. He brought the sheik in. <laughs> and, and, you know, and he was he was the sheik. Just, and he was sitting in a chair out in the lobby. And I walked over to him, and I faked, I, I, I really fake chopped him. Almost like you would chop like a kid. Like, really fake chopped him. And he thought I was coming in with it, and he he jumped he like he like almost took a bump off the back of the chair. And then when he realized that it was like a play chop, he started yelling at me again. Oh, you fucking jabroni! You embarrass me! <laughs> and he starts chasing me again. Like like this is when the Benny Hill music came out because there was so many. It was a big venue, so there was so many like open doors to get into the main room that I could run in the door. He could chase me in the door. I run back out the door. I sit down a hallway and I see him come running back at me again. Like, but the next day, Chad Bubba, you know what I mean? Is that All the right. is is M, is MCW the promotion that you worked with him in, or was you did you just work with him on just random indies? Oh yeah, I no, I worked with him on a, a bunch of indies, but like 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 MCW would bring him in just like as a the promoter would like to have him there, just mm-hmm. to bring him in. Like, no, you ain't got to do anything. <laughs> you know, just be a, center, be, be a centerpiece, yeah. It's just great having the Sheik here. So we're just going to bring in. Plus, he was cheap. You wouldn't believe how cheap he was. And we're talking like like $150, like to bring him in. And then, you know, you might have to you might have to plus him on airplane ticket. Or you could piggyback him off of like a Carluzzo or somebody mm-hmm. who's already going to bring him in anyway. Or, or John Rambo, who he's in Maryland too. So yeah, you can piggyback him off of that. But yeah, he was like dirt cheap. And and then for other guys, I heard other prices, and they weren't the, they weren't Danny's price. Put it that way. So if you're gonna if you're back. if you're gonna if you're gonna sum up like as far as his career goes, um, through his entire you know because I know. You you more than me, even though I've watched a lot of wrestling from a lot of territories over the years. You definitely more than me. So from kind of a a, a fan, a fellow worker, and a somewhat historian, what would you say? What territory and run would you say is your favorite of the Sheiks? Oh, dude! I mean, the Sheiks' run is is legitimately unheralded, like um, Georgia. You know, 82, 83. That's the um, stuff I haven't really seen that I've heard is really good, him and Georgia. I haven't, honest to God, I haven't seen any of that. Yeah, him him and Paul Orndorff uh, was a, a great rivalry. And him and Rich, you know, him with the clubs. But then you got to go to, you go to Mid-South. You know, his, it's it, like he did the same run everywhere. But he just had different players. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like in Louisiana, he had like Junkyard Dog. And Mr. Wrestling 2 or, 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 or Ted Debussy when he was a baby fate. 
And then in Georgia, who do you think he had? <laughs> Tommy Rich. <laughs> and and then, then he had a great feud, which is classic too. He had a great feud with Ivan Cole. Like, how do you book that? <laughs> the the Russian, the Russian and the Iranian. Yeah, who do you think did you think the crowd wanted to see any of them win? Like we just want to see you guys kill each other. And that was a great feud. And that that went through that went through Georgia and went to Florida. Through, mm-hmm. I mean, and and then Sheik in Memphis. That that's when I think everything went went wrong for the Sheik. <laughs> I think I think once he touched down in Memphis when he discovered the, the, the other side of the business. <laughs> yeah, I've seen the Mid South stuff and I've seen the Memphis stuff. I haven't seen the Georgia stuff. And another thing I'll say for him is he was a he was. A consummate, perf- a consummate performer in that he was, he was, he could read the room. I, I, an example that I will use is, I dare you to watch anybody to watch the Sheik. Anytime he was on Tuesday Night Titans, okay, oh. and not be thoroughly entertained. He knew Claude. that he yet yeah, Claude exactly. He knew that now, now I am no longer in a serious fucking environment here. I am in a I am on a fucking variety show and I'm gonna be as entertaining and as shit. And he was and he, he didn't crack and, either. Go ahead, Aaron. And I was just gonna say, um kind of like what you were saying, like with the, the Tuesday night Titans thing and all, all that, like he had an entire career before he got to the WWF. But once he got there, he was one of the guys that understood it and knew what it was about. And it's like he was still a badass and still a wrestler, you know, but he understood, hey, I'm here now. I'm going to make my fucking money and I'm going to ride this thing for as long as I can. And people can say what they want to say about like Hogan and Piper that, you know, the, the WWF wouldn't have had the success that it had without those two. But there's no Hulkamania without about the Iron Sheik. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, you know I mean, I mean he's, he's, the, he's the Sheik. <laughs> and like he, he he got that reputation because he, he didn't know show. He and he was an Iranian, whatever you call it, whatever you call it. He was a, um, an Iranian guy, anti-American, and he embraced that shit like 24-7. So he was doing it in a time where that shit was legitimate. There was mm-hmm. legitimate heat for that shit. So like he earned like the the credit, the reputation to be like you can do whatever the fuck you want, Sheik. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like you got you got this far. Um, you know, nobody's killed you. So right. <laughs> yeah, you can you can do whatever the fuck you want. And, and just the fact that um, like you know the story about him. Him in the drug test, and yeah, where they told him where, where they where, told him it was positive, and he positive. thought that was a good thing. Positive. Yeah, Bubby. I tell you, Bubba, I tell you, she, she, and he had to explain to him. That's that. See, that's the fucking sheep, man. That's that's the shit that makes the sheep the sheep. And, and he, he, he figure he's he's lived in this country for fucking what since what nineteen forty seven or some shit. <laughs> Yet he still acts like he don't know what the fuck's going on. Oh, the American law. I don't. Yeah, I don't know. You know what I mean? It's like, all right, 
that's the gimmick. And he knows how to play the gimmick. Um, you know what I mean? He got away with murder, man. Basically what he got away with. One of the best outtakes ever is when he kills that fucking turkey or whatever. Like when he when he's like choking it and then he like slams the fucking door down on its neck, fucking murders a turkey. Um his Hall of Fame induction speech is like in the top five best ones ever done. Like it's fucking it's amazing. An, um, it, his Hall of Fame speech is in the top one <laughs> of all the Hall of Fame speeches. I, I I love it that I love that he ends his Hall of Fame speech with "Have a nice day, peace." <laughs> Have a good day, peace. I just love how and he went. Wearing- he just kept, he just kept, and then he would just and, keep and going. And fucking Gene, Gene, be, Gene being up there with him made it fucking perfect. Like, <laughs> and the fact that that he got to win the the WrestleMania 17 gimmick battle royal because they were like, he can't bump over the rope. Like everybody <laughs> else could. <laughs> and and, and, and the fact that they want to. The fact that they went out on a limb to actually say that in the commentary. <laughs> he can't go over the road. Bobby said, Bobby said, when the Iron Sheet came out, they were like, by the time he gets to the, Bobby said, by the time he gets to the ring, it'll be WrestleMania 37. <laughs> Dude, didn't, didn't they have like, didn't like two people pass him? Yeah. <laughs> that were coming out. Like he, he's walking down the hall. And I think like Virgil, the the gobbledygooker passes him. <laughs> Everybody's just walking by him, he, and he's and he's he's waving to the fans. <laughs> he, he's still supposed to be a heel, I guess, right? Because he was the salty, sympathetic guy at that time. And he's out there kissing, and he's waving to the fans, walking to the ring. Aaron and yeah, I, Aaron, Aaron and I have discussed this before. No matter how dastardly a heel you are, once you reach a certain age, you're automatically a oh. baby face. You're oh, automatic because you be, you become a nostalgia act for people. And then, no matter how <laughs> dastardly and evil you are, other than Chris Benoit, you're a, you're a baby face. Like, like like even Ted DiBiase, like like he got old and he was like, "Who wants the money?" Like now he's passing out the money. Like he's the old grandpa that just like here's the money. <laughs> Yeah, it, it just, it just becomes like a parody of like what it used to be, you know, and like, like, you know, Nikolai, when he used to wear the, the shirt that said penny, had a penny yeah, sign on it. had the penny the sign on it. Yeah. yeah. You know, you're fucking Nikolai Volkov and shit. And then, you know, and then the Sheik and, you know, it's a, let's go, like Vince, Vince always brought them guys back, which was great. You can, you gotta, you gotta commend that, mm-hmm. you know? To a certain respect, is that like twenty years before that, his father was booking them guys, you know, and you know, take care of these guys, and and Vince always did all that. Did you did you did you like seeing the um, like the training sessions with the Sheik and stuff like that, man? Back from like nineteen seventy two when they showed mm-hmm. all that shit when he was like at the 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 Ganya, the Ganya yeah. you know, with him and Flair, Patera. Flair, it was Brunzel, Ganya. Uh, yeah, that was like like one of the greatest camps. Was, was Slaughter in that camp? Slaughter was in that camp. Yeah. Okay. Right. Yeah, I could I couldn't remember if he was in that one or the next yeah, one. I think I think on the level of those guys, but I think it was like those guys and then Jerry Black. But Blackwell was in it too. 
I think so, yeah. See, there you go, man. That's a that's a who's who of guys that could work, you know. And I I could never have done, never have, have was my dedication to the wrestling business at that level, where I would have I would have done that, you know, like drove all the way up to like whatever somewhere close to Minnesota, Canada, and then did the Vern Gagne training and then drive the rain truck and then. You know, <laughs> Vern Gagne, Vern Gagne putting you through the hoops, so wearing his little his little stocking cap. <laughs> yeah, I'm not, I'm not, um, I wasn't down. I wasn't, I wasn't getting into business that way. Okay. How, 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 how many, how many, how many, how many, how many push-ups can you do with these four hay bales on your back? <laughs> yeah, I could do like four push-ups with no hay bales on my back. And it's like after that, now we're gonna have you work with Billy Robinson. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. After he makes you run 24 miles. Yeah. Jesus. It's like, Billy can kick the shit out of me after I ran one mile. Like, what the fuck are we doing? I'm not, I'm not running from shit. <laughs> like, I'm not, I'm not running. I'm not running, period. You know? I don't care who's chasing me. You're going to catch me because I ain't fucking running. I, I don't think I have a stride in me anymore. Like, <laughs> so, like when I do when I do my next show in July, me and my partner Dino versus the Headbangers from Maryland James are wrestling. I think when they throw me into the ropes, I'm gonna tell them you're gonna have to walk me into the ropes because I'm not gonna, I'm not e gonna be running. E ease me into the ropes. I'm a yeah. what? That, that's um, even if I that's even if I do that. Like I don't think anybody in that company knows that the Headbangers aren't gonna do it. I ain't, I ain't going to do anything, and my partner can't do anything. So <laughs> they're going to have to find some smoke and some mirrors for this, this fucking match because I can already tell you right now it ain't going to be fucking good. And my wife's already got like thirty people coming and shit, and I'm like, dude, I don't know why you're doing this. When it when is the event? It's like July twenty third or something, or MTW. Yeah, it's me and it's the reformation of like one of the, the greatest factions that Maryland Championship Wrestling ever had. It was called uh, TQM, Total Quality Management. And it was all about some guy, just Jimmy Cicero. You know who he is. Yeah. Well, like he was we'll like, have to, we, need, we need to, maybe we need to get you guys together and do like a reunion podcast show. Oh, I'm sure Sis will do it, man. Because I mean, he'll do. Sis will probably do anything. But yeah, he he was kind of like the leader of this, like, like self help guru, you know, brainwashed kind of thing. And the gimmick was he took a bunch of guys that were like losers, and you know, you listen to me because I was on like a twenty match you know, lost streak or whatever it was. And I was the first guy that he came and got, and then he branched out. Dude, it was it, it was the most Hoover act in, in Maryland, like for for years it was. Like, and we thought it was like, you know, I, I look at that shit like local independent stuff is bullshit. You know, I mean, I'm just doing this shit on Saturday night and nothing else to do. But <laughs> then we started taking notice that now we're wrestling Brian Lawler and Jerry Lawler and you know <laughs> and the Road Dog and you know, we're working like, you know, like then we started working like the, the like Van Hammer and the local DJ of, of whatever fucking city. You know what I mean? Like whatever town it was that 
who worked. They were like, dude, we, we were over, man. And I was like, I had no, I had no idea because I just, I just thought it was fucking just a gimmick. Eh, we were over, man. It's, it's Chad Austin versus JT and the Monkey in the Morning. <laughs> dude, it was. It was, uh, it, it was Cowboy and uh, it was Van Hammer and Cowboys. That was the DJ name, Cowboy. And um, I went with I went with Van Hammer. Uh, he liked me. We worked a bunch of times. And my my partner Tino, he took the cowboy, who was the local DJ, who had about what three hours worth of training, <laughs> like you know, kind of thing. And I, and while me and Van Hammer were working, and we're looking, we're, we're watching, and we're laughing as Dino is beating the shit out of this dude, like he's bouncing him off the walls. He's like putting them through tables, and here's me and Van Hammer working a rear chin lock, and, you know. And we're and we're just kind of talking to ourselves, like, dude, look at the way Dino's beating the shit out of fucking Mad Dog. <laughs> Is Van Hammer a good worker? No. Oh no, wait, no, he. <laughs> I, I no, wanted he, to ask because he's one of my not to knock the guy or whatever, but he's like one of my least favorite people i've ever seen on wrestling television it's, it's like, not that he's a bad it's not that he's a bad worker i i take that back like when you when you mean bad worker are you talking about just like in the ring like what he can yeah. do yeah yeah he was terrible he was awful but he knew he knew what to do to get you know to get over so in that sense he under, so that's kind of what I was saying. Like, did he understand his his limitations or whatever? Oh, oh yeah, oh yeah. He yeah. He he wouldn't. There, there was no no chance in any time that I've worked him that he initiate what we're gonna do in that match. You know, and and it, and it wasn't always me either that would say it. Somebody would be like, "No, you're not. He ain't booking this match." You know, because he, he couldn't said, do it. I was like, I didn't know if he had like. I just didn't know if he had like delusions of grandeur. He's like fucking better than what he was. Oh no, no, man. I mean, when when it came to that, I gotta, I, I, I definitely gotta tell you that he was a hundred percent on the on the same page that we were. Like we knew that you you're you're listening to us. <laughs> you know, this is this is gonna be your spot. This is you know what I mean. <laughs> we know what you can do, so we're gonna tell you when you're gonna do it. I was gonna say natural ability or or working ability or not, for the guy pretty much. Other than once he got to the Indies after WCW, he pretty much spent his whole career in WCW. So he worked with a lot of fucking talent. So he had to pick something up along the way. You know what I mean? Like he had to he had to pick something up. Lunch. <laughs> yeah, I don't. I yeah, I don't think that. I don't think he, I think, I think what it was, was he, he knew, like, he knew, he knew what he had, you know, his physique, all that, the look, the whole rock and roll thing, so he's like, all right, if I can just do this, this, and this, then, then I'm all right, you know, mm-hmm. there, there's no reason for me to learn how to hit the ropes, I'm not doing it, <laughs> you know what I mean? Just gonna swing, just gonna swing the axe and bang the head and yeah. let the other let the other guy, let the man. let the other guys bump. He couldn't yeah, even yeah. stomp <laughs> when he was Van Hammer. He couldn't even he couldn't even stomp with the beat of his music. It's fucking no. trash. <laughs> <I wasn't happy. laughs> 
Yeah, but I mean, at the end of the day, dude, he was a, he was a great guy. I mean, he's still alive, I think. Is, is he dead like Pitbull one? No, he's no. still alive. He had he had some he had some legal shit. Like he ran over a kid. Oh, that's that's some legal shit, all right. He <laughs> ran over a kid. All yeah. right. He's a great kid, right? I, 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 I thoroughly enjoyed him because he, he, he took care of me. And I'm not saying he did it on purpose. He did it accidentally. But, but yeah, he did run over. Hey, we just, had, we, we, we just had that happen here in Baltimore just two days ago. Dude was dropping somebody off for like an Uber. And some little two, 24-month-old ran right in front of the car and the Uber driver didn't see it. Whenever, when yeah, whenever I'm driving, I tell my wife all the time. Whenever I'm driving, and I see kids, even even if they're a hundred yards away, I see kids on bikes or playing or whatever. I slow down because I'm like, kids are fucking unpredictable, man. You do not know what they're yeah. gonna do, and what they're gonna if they're gonna just fucking ride their bike right out in front of you. I drive like two when I see a kid. Yeah. I'm like, <laughs> they're like fucking sabu. Fuck. Like I don't know what this fucking guy's gonna do. <laughs> These motherfuckers just turn around on the drop of a dime. Like they, they're riding down the street, just straight line. All of a sudden, no, I'm turning. Like, you know, so yeah, yeah, I'm like creeping right. I'm creeping like two car lanes behind them. You know what I mean? Because I know this motherfucker's gonna just turn around out of nowhere. I walk. I walked out the fucking store the other night. The other day, I was going on my fucking break, and I was coming out of the goddamn break room. And some dude took a fucking bicycle off the rack and he rode a wheelie past me. As I was walking out of the break room, like by the bathroom. Like I was like walking right in the middle of the aisle and all of a sudden this little dude is going to ride by me riding a wheelie. Like in the fucking store. And I'm just like, God damn, man. This is a fucking circus. I got to tell you, th- talking about the kids like pulling out in front of your car and shit, it reminds me, you know, we live in a, we live in a small podunk town in ohio and probably about i don't know 15 to 20 years ago they had this dude around here that would do the fucking bicycle ride his bicycle in front of somebody's car for the insurance deal right so so small town one courthouse one police department etc etc after a while, they cut onto this fucking hand bone. So, many, so funny, many? funny story, funny story. They made him, they made him have to have a light on his bike and a light on his helmet, and he had to wear the helmet <laughs> like a, like a light, like a, a, a revolving light, you know. So yeah, so <laughs> they they did. They literally legally mandated this fucking idiot to have to wear these lights on his bike and on his helmet so people could see him. Bumper Bumper Dave, wasn't it? Bumper Dave, yes, you got it. I forgot the name. Yeah. Bumper Dave. Yeah, name. Yeah, it was his gimmick. He was Bumper Dave. <laughs> Bumper Dave. <laughs> I don't know anything about Bumper Dave. <laughs> I'm sure. We, sure. we also have this guy that drives around and he dresses like fucking like 2004 Undertaker. With like a black trench coat and a black cowboy hat, and he has like black fucking contact lenses, and he rides around on one of them fucking segways. <laughs> yes, oh, that's all you need. Is that. 
and he'll just be driving down. He'll just be riding his Segway down the road, fucking blaring like Ario Speedwagon. And dude tried to run. He tried to mayor. At least he wasn't blasting Little River Band. <laughs> or dude, like, I, we, we got. I'll, I'll, we I'll got be sitting, I'll be sitting outside the local bar smoking a cigarette. And I'll just hear like, like that guy'll just be like rolling down with his fucking. <laughs> Dude, we got. Where's the midnight rider there? <laughs> I remember, man. I live. I live in Baltimore. <laughs> we got dozens of them. <laughs> like we've got probably more than dozens. When you're a character. And you hit, and you're in Baltimore. You're, you're a fucking character, dude. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like you, 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 you don't fuck around and do it half-ass. <laughs> you show, you show up. We got so many fucking shims that come in to work, and I'm like, dude, why are you even trying this? Like, you know, you're way too much of a guy to be wearing this outfit, <laughs> trying to be a girl and, and, and shit. Oh, he's all big and bulky. He's got, I think he's got a United States Marine tattoo on his arm. Do you, do you <laughs> get the, do, do you get the guys that um, lost their license through DUI, so now they drive fucking riding lawnmowers around? No, we don't get the we oh we got the scooters. Is what we get? No, we don't get the ride. I, I've had one. I will say this: that there was one. Um, but like literally where he lived at. All he had to do was cross over one street to get into the parking lot. That's where he lived. So that wasn't that that big of a deal. But I can imagine you you guys get them hillbillies. We got I got we got plenty we got plenty of hillbillies that don't have cars and can't fucking drive because they lost their licenses. They we, drive we, we we live we live in we uh, live in we live in Podunk, but we grew up in the city and some city characters too like where we grew up in toledo ohio there there was a guy that would be downtown in toledo preaching the bible but he dressed as batman so we had the batman preacher i got a batman too hey everybody's got a batman <laughs> <laughs> i do i got i got a, I got a batman and i got a spider-man <laughs> The one lawnmower like, guy. Oh, go ahead. No, I don't. Sorry. I don't have the lawnmower guy though. But one, the lawnmower man, the one he has fucking like gigantic fucking phlebitis legs, and he wears <laughs> like orthopedic socks. Nate, have you ever seen that guy? Yes. Yeah. Well, one day he drove his fucking Ryan lawnmower up to the shortstop, and. Didn't re- the shortstop is a fucking gas station, but did not um, I think realize how much gas he had on, like in his riding lawnmower, and that he drove it up oh. there to get like a fucking Pepsi, and then his shit wouldn't start back up. Like he ran out of gas, and his shit was just stuck. And what is legs with his phlebitis legs? Yes. And orthopedic socks and he like everybody that like I was one of them I come walking out and he's like oh, can you spot me a five for gas I'm like no like you you've made your decisions you know so 
I was just like, I'm going to sit in my car and see if anybody gives this guy fucking money. I sat there for like 15 minutes to see if Lawnmower Man got money. He got nothing. At least I'm better than that guy. Like, <laughs> that's the way I look at like fucking clown shoes like that. Like, I feel bad about myself, but it's like, at least I'm not driving a lawnmower to the gas station to buy a fucking Pepsi. Like, I. <laughs> Dude, don't 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 fucking hate, dude. <laughs> I, I don't hate him, but at least I'm no, not as my ass, is, my ass is buying it is gonna buy an amigo. Like the kind that Walmart has little carts. Because I live about like like four city blocks from the liquor store. And I hate that fucking walk. And my wife won't let me Uber. Just to the liquor store, like four blocks. So I am, I'm gonna either pick up one of them fucking amigos from the house from work and bring it home, or I'm gonna buy one. And you're gonna see going to hell at three miles an hour off the street with a case of fucking natural light in the fucking front in the front of the fucking car. I'm telling you, before I die, there's gonna be a picture. That's you. There's nights I'm sitting alone in my fucking recliner eating a goddamn cardboard pizza drinking fucking Budweiser. I'm like, I'm sad. I suck. And then I wake up, rub the crust out of my eyes and be like, oh, I got to go buy a pack of Newports. I suck. <laughs> and then I get there and there's Phlebitis Lawnmower Man begging oh, for shit. gas money. And then I'm like, I'm the best. Yeah, it, may, it makes you feel I'm better. Fucking, I'm George Clooney, man. I'm <laughs> I'm the rock. I'm, I'm the lighting best. my cigarettes with one dollar bills. Yes. <laughs> All day, Dad. Lighting my cigarettes off a warm quarter. Yeah, yeah you're rubbing nickels together. And, and then you give up and just ask somebody for a light. <laughs> they were, hey, man, can I borrow a light? <laughs> like, what are you going to give it back to them? You gonna you gonna touch lighters? Oh, can I can I can I borrow like yeah okay, but I mean I need I need that light back. <laughs> Wait, you know, I don't know how many lights are in my bic anymore. So <laughs> you have you had to put them ends together, hit the little button. And, yeah, I don't know. I don't think that's gonna work. You're not borrowing a light. <laughs> Well, for those of you that tune into this show to hear us review ECW, <laughs> I guess we can spend the what, Aaron? I was gonna like I thought of a we can review the match and then I'll, I'll then ask my question. Okay, so this this is gonna be a super quick review of the show this week, and and honestly, like I said at the beginning, this is not a knock on the match. The match is one of the classic wrestling matches of the nineties. But the the, the oh, thing is, is, we're, this is, we're here sorry. we're here to review a TV show, and the entire TV show is this one match. So, um, I guess we'll do this. We start the show. Joey introduces a recap of everything we've seen between Eddie Guerrero and Dean Malenko at ECW. Then we get Joey style. Is this the first time Joey's done the center ring introduction in the arena? No, he did it before with Shane. I mean, he at least did it before with Shane. Okay. Like, you know, when Shane brought Matt, out Sherry, who? I think Nate yeah. was asking about. I think Nate was asking about reintroductions. 
No, 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 no. I was asking about like the classic welcome to extreme championship wrestling, and he's in the oh, center no, he's, of the ring. He's done that. He's done that. I, he's done I got maybe maybe this one just made a bigger impact on me than in the past because I just I, I guess in my mind I just up until now just remember when he's standing at ringside. But Joey introduces us to the ECW arena or welcomes us, and he says, "Last night in Jim Thorpe, Pennsylvania, they have a new." Bowena. <laughs> we have a new ECW TV champion, and he brings out Too Cold, Too Cold Giggling Scorpio. Oh, Giggling Too Cold Scorpio. Yeah. Good old night. Good old neon diaper. Yeah. Okay. In this chat from last Chad, like when Too Cold would wear his long trunks, it was fine. But when he was wearing these like short trunks, when he was wearing these trunks, it looks like a fucking neon depends. He's got a big fucking ass. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I mean, that's not a knock on the guy. He's a big fucking dude to begin with. But yeah, he's got a big ass caboose. He's got junk in the trunk, if you will. Yeah, uh, yeah, I know, I know what you mean. I like, you know what? I, it's, what's even worse with Scorpio is them blowouts that he wore, where, where they had the, they had like the holes in them because they were originally designed when he worked for WCW. There was a pair. of he wore a pair underneath of that. So when he had the blowouts, it would be like silver or like gray or, or something like, you know, in, the, in the, the back of it. But then he got all cheap and just stopped wearing the underneath ones. And he just looked like he was just running running down the street just doing like sliding on his knee with his uh, knees all busted out of his pants. Jeez. Two cold cuts a promo here about being the TV champion three times. And well, he, then, tries um, he tries to. He tries to. Yeah. Joey Joey asks him about Taz. You know, it's his vendetta with Taz. And, of course, again, we love Too Cold in the ring, as we always say on this show, but the promo is really, really not so good. <laughs> no, he's not. That's not. That's, that's, I, spent, I spent enough time. I bet you I've walked out of the HW arena more times on a two cold Scorpio attempt to do a promo than anybody else on the roster. Yeah, he's like a how, how Paul and, wanted you to always stay, like he wanted everybody to stay until promos were done. And I bet you I must have sat through 45 minutes of Scorpio trying to tell somebody he's going to do the worldly bird and didn't know what the fuck he was going to say. And I, I'm, I'm sure I just threw my hands in the air. And I was like, I ain't got time. And he tries I'm, to not learn. Learn. I'm, not, I'm not learning anything here. I guess oh, I'd stick around for Terry Funk. Terry Funk would talk for four hours and it'd be 3.30 in the morning and I'd still be sitting in the locker room listening to him. You got Scorpio over there talking about, I don't, I don't know what the fuck he's talking about. God, he never mind. Never, never mind. <laughs> laughing, like a, laughing like a black Roscoe Pico train. <laughs> Did you hear his music? Oh, it was awful. It's actually right here on my notes. Too cold out to crappy WWE network music. Dude, it was like awful kid and play, which is awful. Like kid and play itself is bad. <laughs> like they hit a parody of kid and play. It's like you own Here Comes Too Cold Scorpio. I don't know. Why don't just overdub it with that? Even though that was what, bad. What song was he coming out to with there? Was he coming out to whoop? There it is. Probably or Hot Stepper. No, Public Enemy. No, that was Public Enemy. Yeah, Public yeah. Enemy used Hot Stepper, so he might have been using whoop. There it is. He's coming out to. 
Coming coming out to I Got a Man by Positive K. <laughs> Dude, that, that music that music that he had was brutal. <laughs> Maybe he came out to Tennessee by Arrested Development. <laughs> when, when is this? Was he arrested in Tennessee, you mean? Probably. Yeah, that's what, that's what he came out to. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I yeah, I just heard that music and I'm like, this is like sad, even on a WWE like generic music level. This is like brutally bad. Too cold coming to the uh, the sounds of tribe called, tribe called quest. Um, so after the too cold debacle of an interview, Joey discusses in the ring about the WCW New Japan connection. And because of said connection, because of said alliance between WCW and New Japan, Dean Malenko and Eddie Guerrero must exit ECW. And they did this. Um, you can tell that they had respect for these guys because they did this with class. You know, when Sabu left, Paulie went in the ring and said, Sabu chose Japan over being here and just totally shit on him and everything. Here, they do their best to make sure that they're not shitting on the talent for leaving. They're just saying these are, these are circumstances we can't circumvent. And these guys have to leave ECW. No, the, um, the Sabu deal was Sabu, Sabu fuck Paul, you know, double mm-hmm. book himself on a day. Um, Dean and Eddie gave notice, you know, because WCW at that time, they weren't they weren't being like they weren't into that dick mode yet where you know it wasn't anywhere near like the wars and none of that shit like going on. So yeah, Dean like like Eddie and Dean went in the locker room and and thanked everybody and congratulate you know, and hugged everybody and and like they had they had notice. So it wasn't like like Paul like that night found out that they were leaving. Right. So we yeah, had we like- had time. He had time to figure out what he was going to do to, um, you know, give them, you know, their their flowers, so to speak, and then um, figure out what I'm going to do next. You know, who's going to be the next two guys? But give them, you know, they're already here, so why not use them, you know? Was, Chad, if you don't know, it's fine, but was the the narrative they said true where Bischoff – pulled the, these guys are working for New Japan and they can't be here because we got this deal because Bischoff says that Eddie and Dean left because they were getting paid. They weren't getting paid from ECW? Yeah. Well, that that could have been... Yeah. Yeah, yeah that could have been 100% true, but I, I, I never heard anything about New Japan being behind any of this. Like, any of this. Because we all knew, like, like if... um. We were in the summertime, and we had a string of shows. If if Eddie or you know or Benoit or anybody wasn't on that show, they were probably in Japan, you know. So, but yeah, I never heard of um. I I've never I never heard of that. I don't know anything about that. But but yeah. I mean, as far as not getting paid, that completely could be possible. <laughs> yeah, because just the narrative I've heard about those guys leaving was that Paulie said that Bischoff. Did like the power play with the these guys work with New Japan, and if you're going to continue with ECW, you're not going to get your New Japan contract. And they were obviously making more money in New Japan. And Paulie just said that Bischoff stole those guys. 
So I, I, it, it's two I, of the biggest I, bullshitters I, in the history of wrestling bullshitting each other, but I don't know who's right and who's wrong. Dude, I personally think that Bischoff was a fan of these people. That's what I did. I think he loved the whole entire thing. Anytime he bit a little bit of any, like, Nate, anything he could get out of, you know what I mean? His name mm-hmm. being rubbed against it or whatever. I think Bischoff loved it. I, I totally do. And I thought that was like, um, that was kind of like his, like, whenever he started doing, like, booking WCW, I think he used that as like, this is what I, I want to use, you know what I mean? This, this model of this company is a, you know, it's a threat and we're just taking off people. <laughs> you know, we took Mikey Whipwreck for, you know, for Christ's sake. And I, I, I always, I always thought that it, he, he liked that shit. Because when, when he recognized me, uh, when I worked for WCW, when he recognized me, then I was like, dude, you watch this shit. If you recognize me, you know what I mean? I'm not, you know, I, I could see if I was Hack Myers, you know, or, or somebody that stood but out. But I think, I think to be, home. I think to be honest with you, and honestly, I can say this because I've, I mean, I can't, I can't say this because it's like, not like I've had a beer with the guy or whatever, but I was, um, I was on um, John Arezzi's podcast one time and the other person on it, on the show was Bischoff. That was his guest that week. So I got to talk to Bischoff a little bit. And to me, in that in that environment, he came off as a very cool, very down-to-earth guy. I think what happened at Bischoff was he he started out a wrestling fan and was really enamored with being in the business and really enjoyed it. And like you said, Chad, he's probably watching things that aren't even the company he's working for because he's a wrestling fan. And then he just, he just got in, he got sucked up into the, the fame, you know, he got sucked up into the, you know, I'm hanging out with Nash and Hall and Hogan and smoking cigars. And I think that's what happened is he, he comes, he comes off when you talk to him in person as a very, very regular guy. I just think for, for a little bit there, he just got caught up in the fucking whirlwind of success. Because he, so he didn't get brought up the right way. Like, he didn't get brought like he, he that, that Vern Gagne shit that he, cool, seriously, stop it. <laughs> <laughs> That's not being brought up in the right way in the wrestling business. But I mean, and he got thrown into, what, two years? And then in the, in the, the quote-unquote wrestling business, thrown into like a like a, a, a semi-top spot like WCW that's already completely mismanaged and right. all over the board. And then all of a sudden he finds himself creeping up the ranks of, of some company that has no idea what the fuck they're doing. They're just, you know what I mean? They're firing people like it's a bodily function. And <laughs> they're just moving people around all over the place because they didn't have a clue what they were, they were doing. And he found himself, you know, in a in a spot where he was making decisions and so, you know when you get to that when you get to that point and you weren't like i said brought up right yeah it's like if, if 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 david byrne was here right now he'd be like and you may find yourself in charge of a wrestling company That's right. <laughs> once in a lifetime what is drowning i don't know what to do but uh, this might be a stupid question. Let's ask this. Um, out of the two guys, because wrestling was, mm-hmm. how do I say it? Like, wrestling was successful in the 80s. 
but it was never more successful during the Monday Night Wars. But if you got to take Vince McMahon and Eric Bischoff, who would you say is the biggest of the two? Who is the biggest fan of professional wrestling? Not sports entertainment, not whatever. Like, Dude, biggest... I have to actually, I have to actually pick one of them. Yeah, because <laughs> I mean, in my opinion, would be like if you one of them. Um, because Vince was a, I guess, I guess it would have to be Bischoff. I think Bischoff too. I think Bischoff yeah, was a bigger fan of professional wrestling, wrestling. Of, of making movies. You know, Bischoff was a bigger professional wrestling fan. I mean, I don't even know what that's. I don't even know what that's saying. Because apparently he wasn't that big of a fucking fan. He stunk. But I just think of the art of professional wrestling and what it meant. I think Bischoff was a bigger fan of it. Yeah, I mean, because he came from the AWA. Like the only thing he did learn. I guess from being in the AWA was was slow and steady. Angles slow coke, you know what I mean? Yeah, and Russia. And I think Bischoff was a bigger fan of professional wrestling because he was he didn't bring guys in and try to like make them WCW guys, you know? Like where Vince would bring in a guy and make him a WWF guy, Vince or Bischoff would just be like, oh, I'm going to bring in Ultimo Dragon and let Ultimo Dragon be Ultimo Dragon. Or I'm going to bring in Ray and let Ray be Ray. Dude, he, he's, he's the first guy to brought Jushin Liger to the States. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. Like, I just, I just think that Eric was a bigger supporter of professional wrestling. And that's, the, that's where I'll give credit to Bischoff. Over. He wasn't as good of a businessman and as a promoter as Vince. But as a that's that's what I was about to say. I would say you're right. Bischoff was a better, a bigger fan of professional wrestling. But if we're going to, it's like that Scott Hall quote: "Everybody wants to call it a, the wrestling business until we start treating it like it's a business." So the guy that was best for the business was Vince McMahon. Well, I know that that wasn't the question. You also, you also got to you also got to remember that Vince was playing with Vince's money, right? Bischoff wasn't money yeah like i said that wasn't that ted turner so like i said nate that wasn't the question i was asking was who was the better businessman i was just asking who's the better who who is your professional wrestling fan i think bischoff is a bigger professional wrestling fan than vince mcmahon there's times that i think vince fucking hates professional wrestling he won't even he won't even say the words professional wrestling (laughs) i'm saying it's like i don't get it that's not what he does He's he's in the movie business, or whatever the fuck. He's, whatever he's in the monkey business. <laughs> I don't know what the fuck he's in. Sometimes, according to his lawyers, he's in the risky business. <laughs> he's, all touch, he's all diddling people and stuff. Vince the diddler. Isn't it funny that after all the years that he like pretty much sucked Vince's ass? that the fall guy became John Laurinaitis. Like Vince got to stick around and everything. And John Laurinaitis, they were like, you're the one that's taking the fall for all this shit, buddy. You're out. <laughs> you're the sacrificial lamb. I think for a second that that wasn't set up. Oh, there's no doubt. Like Vince yeah. was like this, this fucking Mark, this fucking Rube. I've, he's been sucking my ass for 10 years. Uh, he's the one going down on this shit. <laughs> Eventually this retard's going to, if it, if it wasn't him, it was probably going to be an Armstrong. 
Um, you know what I mean? There, there was somebody Vince's, and and Laurinaitis just happened to be in the office across the hall. <laughs> and when he, yeah, this guy's taking this. I believe that shit hundred percent. Hey Vince, how are you doing? Like, like that's that's my John Laurinaitis. Hey Vince, oh, okay. how are you? I thought because all of a sudden, all of a sudden. Uh, Nate was gone. I thought he was talking to like his wife or something. No, I'm just smoking a smoke. Yeah, like, you know, like Larry and I, dude, totally. I'm sure Vince had to call him in and go, look, this is what's going to happen. <laughs> and don't worry about it. <laughs> you know? Yeah, John, John Laronitis is the flip, is the guy on the lawnmower with the, the orthopedic socks. He's just the <laughs> the yeah. loser that Vince is like. I'm gonna I'm gonna let this guy take the fucking fall. Yep. Sorry, pal. Yeah, you're man. doing the, sorry, pal. You're doing the job. But he's gonna pay him generously. Oh yeah. To do it, dude. He got so much money. Uh, he, he was making. Um, I I, for, I had I had the observer. Uh, how much money he was making when he was just a guy who came in. That was doing like the talent, like shit, like scouting the talent, where he was like expensing like trips to Japan <laughs> for like six weeks. You know what I mean? Well, what did we get? We didn't get anything out of that. <laughs> we got Lalani Kai. He's <laughs> <laughs> from Hawaii. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like we didn't get like anything out of what he did his first run. I think it, I think it wasn't until like shit happened. Before Vince kind of sat him down and said, "Look, you really gotta have to do something here." You know what I mean? It was like George Costanza working at fucking uh, like Cramerica or whatever, or <laughs> Vandalay Industries. Vandalay Industries. It was some bo- it was some bogus company, bogus job, bogus job title, whatever. But Laronitis, what did he end up doing at the end of the day? What's his biggest? What do you think his biggest contribution? Was? CM Punk. <laughs> I mean, you can give me wrestler, you can give me angle, you can give me anything. What was his biggest contribution? Uh, the, being, the, the, being, the fall, being the fall guy for Vince McMahon. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty much it. I mean, the only thing good about John Laronitis that I will say was he's a really good finish guy, man. Like, he's top of the line when it comes to finishes. But he was above that. Like, he wasn't, you know, he was a fucking great below Vince. He wasn't at TVs, you know what I mean? Like helping guys go over finishes. No, but I'm like, you're one of the best in the business. Look at you. You learned from Stan Hansen. You learned from Terry Gordy. You learned from Tenru of all fucking of all people. And and you know, you're not you're walking around like smacking papers around like it's Paul Ellering with the Wall Street Journal and shit. <laughs> and and these guys could benefit from your wealth of knowledge, but nah, yeah, he didn't fuck that. He's probably diddling. Well, the match itself, Eddie and Dean, two out of three falls. And it's a great match. And and if you haven't seen it, then you obviously don't listen to the show and you're living under a rock. So I I, I can't say too much about it other than it's fucking fantastic. It was a great send-off for these guys. Um, hey, get, don't get me wrong. I mean, um, uh, uh, remind me if I'm mistaken. But there was a certain spot in the match, and this particular match, that 
Um, I don't remember. I remember them doing, but I don't remember them seeing on TV. But they did it a million times. Do you know what the fish out of water spot is? Yeah. You know the roll through sunset flip, kick up. You know push. You know they didn't do this. They didn't do it in this match. Mm-mm. No, and you know what? So you mentioned it. I didn't even realize it, but you're right. It's it wasn't. They didn't do that in this match. They had a whole different moveset. They had a whole different match in in in, in here because I was I was expecting to see it, and I was waiting to make a note about fish out of water. There you go. They're gonna do that spot, roll into the clover leaf. You know, it's excellent match. I mean, what the, what the fuck are you gonna tell me? I mean, it was great. Uh, this might sound dumb, and if you guys think it is fine, but um, I attribute this to if you want to go generational wise with it, it's like the equivalent of the eighties when tiger mask and dynamite went into Madison square garden and did their shit. And then, um, Pillman and Liger going into that. Yeah, super no, 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 that's not happening. Go <laughs> stick with the first one. Okay, I'm, I'm just saying like with the reaction of people seeing shit. Oh, okay. After, yeah, after the whole body of the match. I got you. All right. That's yeah. Like, like it, it's the equivalent of that. It's like two guys doing something in front of a crowd of people that have never seen anything like this. And to, and to show you how good they are, you know, this is the ECW arena. So if it was probably any other two guys and Joey before the match had announced they're leaving and going to WCW, this crowd would have been chanting, go fuck off, go fuck off. Instead, they were chanting, please don't go, please don't go. Yeah. Please don't go. Yeah, they definitely were. I mean, it was, it was, um, I, I could tell you firsthand because I I was there that like that little tiny nine inch TV monitor that was sitting in the back of that locker room on that, on that big table and chairs started piling up. Like people started moving over, moving over. And I was, I was already in the front row, like sitting in the front row watching it. And I was like, yeah, this, this shit's all right, man. You know what I mean? Like, you know, I wish I would have had my technology or the technology we had today to be texting somebody that I'm a friend of mine and be like, you're not going to believe this shit. You know, Eddie Guerrero and Dean Malenko are just, are just killing this, killing this shit. But it, it took about what? I don't know. I would say about seven, eight minutes before the crowd to actually catch on to it because mm-hmm. all they were doing was they were just they were just going they were just doing the opening shit so the crowd didn't have any idea where it was going so there wasn't there wasn't a ton of, of a major reaction for the first couple you know first few minutes of the spots because they had no idea like where the, where the match was going you know 17 minutes in you know 22 minutes in you know what i mean like mm-hmm. All, all of a sudden, the people just, they, they bought in and was like, dude, this is some shit, and you're seeing it. And then you kind of like, once you get it, and you look around and you say, hey, look, I'm one of all these people right here <laughs> that are seeing this shit. You know what I mean? And that kind of stuff is, that kind of stuff is special on on that kind of level. When mm-hmm. You know, when you know you're seeing something that's 
that's a one of a kind. You ain't gonna see that shit again. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. And and that's actually in my notes here that because Eddie wins the first fall with a roll up, Dean wins the second fall with a clover leaf, and I am normally not a fan, honestly, of a double pin finish. I think it's cheap, a cheap way out, and I'm not a big fan of it normally. In this match, I think it it's perfect. You know, because you have these guys that have traded the TV title back and forth. They've had great matches every time they've been in the ring together. They've had this saga in ECW. And it, it's it's a cool way to wrap up their, their run in the company with them kind of, you know, uh, ending even Steven, I guess, is the best way to put it. And I, I, and I thought it was cool it's because both guys are smart enough to have realized that their shoulders shouldn't have been down. So they, they acted like it, it wasn't my shoulder, you know what I mean? Like they, they had that whole entire thing, like whose shoulder was down, you know? And and uh, they they came across that way with that kind of uh, that little reaction of like, well, who 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 was down? And, and so that that was a good little spin on it too. But yeah, what a, what a classy way, like you said, to send you know two guys off for the next journey and shit. And the crowd didn't shit on them, which was. Jesus, how many times did the crowd just shit on people when, <laughs> when they left? You know, and and it, it's always the guys that you would you would you would think they weren't going to shit on. You know what I mean? The Benoit didn't shit on them. Shane shit on. You know, these guys. <laughs> these guys have, yeah, I mean the ECW crowd was like, "Go make your fucking money." That's what they were doing. Because they were finally getting the chance. Dean Malenko's been in the business 14 years by by this point. Who the fuck ever heard of him? Joe? His brother? <laughs> That's the only guy I know that ever heard of him. Well, the, um, again, the finish is the, is the double pin. And then we get these guys cutting a promo on how much they love the ECW arena, the ECW crowd. Um they even put over the fact, you know, Joey puts over the fact that Dean Malenko has the microphone and he's actually going to speak. And then um, in the Which end, they been, get... Go ahead, Aaron. It would have been... I was like, oh. They were like, oh, Dean Malenko's going to talk. And then it would have been funny if they would have had him, like, talk like Undertaker and Suburban Commando. Like, this guy's <laughs> finally going to talk. <laughs> he's got, like, a little kid's voice. Anyway, what if he sounded gay? Huh? <laughs> like he grabbed a microphone and goes, hey. Hey. Hey, y'all. I want y'all to come to Effie's big gay bash. <laughs> like, dude, what if he sounded like that? Could you imagine how the winds would have uh, blown out of the sails if he was all, Demon Lingo is so bad. He's so, <laughs> he's so gay. <laughs> gay Dean Malenko. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, I, I want to see a gay demon and go character. <laughs> the, the, man, the man of a thousand fabulous holds. <laughs> yeah, I'm not even, I'm not even gonna start because it's a change on my He comes to the ring to it's raining men. Yeah. Yeah, there's a chance I might run into Dean Malenko soon. So I'm not I'm not saying shit. He, yeah, he's a, he's a, he's a man of a thousand molds. 
But yeah, to I be was, honest, I was gonna say I was gonna say that his finisher was the Texas Clover Queef, but that wouldn't be gay. Clover Queef, <laughs> Texas Clover Queef. <laughs> Would you farting on him? <laughs> his little Dean Malenko put farts. <laughs> That's what makes the guys tap out because he's so fucking short and small. He ain't hurt nobody with that shit. <laughs> He's farting on you. He's, he's, eating, he's eating cabbage before the match. Get the fuck out of here. Yeah. yeah just why, why don't they start doing that shit where like, they either like sweeten the sound or something? You know, or, you know, or release some smell in the building. <laughs> but he's got you in the text literally. And he just <laughs> eating cabbage. <laughs> uh, gay Dean Malenko. That would be funny. <laughs> because yeah. because this entire episode of the show is other than oh. the two other than the two cold promo is pretty much this match. This is actually the first episode of the show that I mean you guys can disagree with me, but I actually gave this one an A. Just because it's this match. And I give this match an A. Yeah, I mean, I'm not going to totally disagree with you on giving it an A. I'm not going to give it an A. Um, I, I would, I would give it a solid B because the whole entire 60 minutes was built around one thing, mm-hmm. and that's not an easy thing to do. You know, you couldn't do it now. You know, I mean, good luck with that one. Right. Try, try to do it. Try to do it now. But yeah, for the way they presented it and the way that it, the way the match worked out, yeah, it was totally. It was, it was a it was a home run in my book. Clearly, I still want to know about the party with the cabbage. <laughs> <laughs> I can't wait to tell Jeff about this one. Yeah, it was a great show. Yeah, and and like Nate said, you can't you can't give the show a bad rating. Because it's Dean Malenko and fucking Eddie Guerrero, you know, but it's also just Dean Malenko and Eddie Guerrero. So I mean, nothing really. And, and, and the and the best part is, is you can't you can't go. Well, it was only Eddie Guerrero and Dean Malenko. If you could ask anybody who watched it, was it bad? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like they go, but that's the only match that was on the. Show. Was it bad? You know? And then eventually you would beat it out of them. No. It was great. <laughs> you know? There you go. That's good television. So the one question I have, and if you guys don't know or don't have an answer, it's fine. Because Is it about cabbage? <laughs> no. Right. Um, it's about Eddie. It's what is either your favorite... Eddie Guerrero angle? Uh, probably Triple A with him and Art when they lost the masks or, or got lost their hair. Yeah. That's a that's that, good that, dude, that was that was that was that was like what that what was that ninety what three? Yeah, yeah. ninety three. Yeah, dude, that was like seven years ago. Seven years like ahead of his time, like like shit, you know. That's when companies were working together. You know, they you know, nobody nobody was working together then. What 
WWE in Memphis? Seriously. You know? That's when big companies were working together and and they got shit over and that was that drew big money. That was that was good shit right there, man. It was I actually yeah. I, I, you wouldn't believe the amount of hoops that had to jump through to get that fucking paper. Like I literally had to drive to the cable fucking place to get some little thing that I had to screw in the back of my box and then put the cable thing into that box because it wasn't you couldn't just order it. We didn't have that shit like then. That was that was them and Latin Lover and I can't remember who the other. Uh, Yeah, it doesn't even matter. (laughs) Oh, wasn't it uh, Paraguayo? Wasn't it? Junior, yeah. No, I don't think it was Paraguayo Junior. I think that was Paraguayo. No, it wasn't Paraguayo. I'm gonna look it up. But, But Nate, what's your answer? My fit my and and the the art bar stuff is great too. But my personal favorite Eddie match. Wow, that's hard for me because like he's like my second. He's he's like my second second or third favorite wrestler. So there's so much shit I love. I really like him and Rey Mysterio at that Halloween Havoc. That's um, my personal favorite. That's that's fucking fantastic. That question then, mark Ray. Yeah, yeah. And actually, yeah. you know what? For a, for a for a, and Eddie's not a little guy, but in this match he was for a big guy, little guy match. His match with Brock, uh, where he wins the title, is fucking great too. I mean, yeah, he's got a. It's I mean, it's hard to find. It's hard to find a bad Eddie Guerrero match, but Bradshaw. You know. His shit with Bradshaw was fucking unbelievable. Yeah, God, he bled a fuck. He bled Who's a fucking. He bled a fucking gusher in that son of a bitch. Who's the last person that ever admitted they had a good match with Bradshaw? <laughs> you know, like obviously, obviously, you knew who had the boots in that match. But yeah, um, just like like his storytelling was was like different, like next level. Just next mm-hmm. next level, like I'm. I never got to work with him. I think I'm. I may have once in ECW on a spot show, but it wasn't anything. But yeah, like you, know, his and the, storytelling was next level. And then Aaron said, "Angle too." I'll say this to me, and and it, it you can tell the reason it was so good is because they were having such a blast doing it. But when Eddie and Chavo. Got to do the Los Guerreros shit in the WWE. Man, that's fun. It's just fun to watch. You can just tell they're just loving working together. They're having so much fun, you know, with the lie, cheat, and steal thing. And I mean, that shit where they do like the, the pool boy sketch where they're going to somebody's house posing as pool boys to, I mean, it's just, it's, it, it's, it's campy and it's comedy, but it's good wrestling comedy. It's he really good. Like, he tells the old ladies, like, uh, your pool has a your pool has a hole in it. You don't you you don't you, you don't want your pool to get you don't want your your pool to get full with water, do you? I mean, <laughs> yeah, it's so funny. <laughs> but you can just tell those guys were just having the time of their life working together. You know, it was so much like fun. Like him to watch. in China. Oh yeah, that shit was great too. I mean, who's going to make China look good? They had to find somebody <laughs> with extra fucking talent to do that shit. So <laughs> they went to Eddie. Eddie made it work. I mean, Pull, pulling up in the low rider with a couple of roses, mommy. <laughs> oh yeah, dude. I mean, the the, the uh, Malenko Guerrero Classic. 
I know, I know we're, I know we're going, we're going a little bit long on this one right now, but uh, that had to, it reminded me of a story that um, when they advertised that tape, the all the Malenko Guerrero classic or whatever, um, they played that song "Perfect Strangers" behind it, and back at the time, I had a hotline, I had an old school answer machine that had a cassette tape in it. And it was a hotline that he called, and um, we went. Me and my buddy went down to the to the local resort on our bikes, and we were going to do the Austin Houston Classic, where we would start on one side of the street and go hit every single bar, one beer, every single bar. And I remember on my answer machine, I, I did two guys, two bikes, eighteen bars, <laughs> <laughs> and then. All of a sudden, you would hear perfect strangers. Oh, dude! I mean, that shit, that that shit was good, man. I I, I was glad to be there for all that shit. You mentioned uh, you mentioned hotlines. What's that guy? Is it Dominic Valenti that had the hotline in New York that uh, Brian Last talks about? Oh uh, <laughs> yeah, Dominic. Is, something. Is, he the, is he the guy that just rambled? Yes, but the the thing you said about the it just reminded me. Of course, we were talking about Bixen Span before we went on the air, but on between the sheets, they were talking about that guy uh, on this week's episode, and they said that uh, <laughs> so he had like a thing where he had people send him questions to answer. I think it's Valent Dominic Valenti. It doesn't matter. But the funny part about it was apparently somebody had sent him a question for his hotline, and they said. Did Ahmed Johnson play for the NFL? And his <laughs> his answer was, I don't know. But if he did, he played for the Cowboys. I what the fuck? That's like some Dave Meltzer. That's like some Dave Meltzer shit. CM Punk is gonna be there next week if he's unless he's not. Yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, uh, that's pretty. Yeah, that's pretty much it. I got this uh, meme. I got this John meme saved. Showing. I got this meme saved from earlier that I saw this person posted. Listen to this. This is actually funny, and you guys will think it's funny. According to multiple reports reported by reporters reporting on CM Punk, CM Punk is reportedly being described in reports as being reported on by various reporters. <laughs> That's a work. Ah, yeah, shit. reported by Brian Alvarez. No, it actually says reported by Bleacher Report. <laughs> Man. Yeah, it's Bixus Fan. <laughs> Dude, if they don't fucking do, if they if they don't do a fucking one tomorrow, I mean a one seriously. I mean Seinfeld reruns get well. They've one. got to. They've got to. I'm gonna watch it, but I'm gonna be honest with you, Chad. I haven't watched like I haven't watched literally. I haven't watched AEW. I haven't taken the time out of my life to watch AEW in over a month because I have completely. So this show is gonna be what? Is, is that show two hours? I think so. Yes, but I have completely and, lost interest. So I hope this show can can catch my interest because Dynamite. I haven't watched Dynamite in over a month. I don't care. I just don't care. MJF's the only good thing that I've seen. And I they, just they I um their punk is is obviously gonna have uh at least two segments tomorrow because he said 
he said in the in an interview that he has a lot to get off his chest. So he's going to be talking at one point. I don't know how they're going to you know book it. And then he's also in that six man, like the main event or whatever. So he's going right. to be working too. So you're gonna you're you're gonna get a shit ton of punk. Yeah. <laughs> um, oh yeah, it's it's smart. You're gonna they're gonna open the show with him, I guarantee, and they're gonna end the show with him. And yeah. you know, I mean, that's smart. And I I really do. I hope I'm gonna watch it, and I hope that that this new show, if they uh, hopefully uh, hopefully they take a new approach with it, because Dynamite just lost me, man. I just I don't I don't care. I don't give a shit about it. That's the only thing that I do fucking give a shit about. <laughs> Like, you know, because a lot of times, like, you know, I, I it just it's just my part of my Wednesday night now. You know what I mean? Right, right. When I get home, it's just like, all right, I'm going to watch Dynamite and I'll watch it. And I'll be like, who are they pushing this week that I'm not going to see again? You know, in two mm-hmm. weeks. Like, where the fuck's Action Andretti? Dude can't buy a vowel, much less a fucking <laughs> win. You know what I mean? Uh, he, beats, he beats Jericho and all of a sudden he's on dark. Sounds like AEW. <laughs> and then um, we'll close it where I asked you guys. Yeah, I've, I was going to say, I got I to rap because I got to poop. <laughs> yeah. Well, the, the, the way I'll close is we're talking about Eddie and Dean and them leaving for WCW. Um, the best thing they did with Dean, because Dean's WCW run is underrated, in my opinion. But that shit with him and Chris, where Chris was like, knocking him and and he took the title off of him and all that shit there is not a bigger wcw pop than than dean malenko taking off the the fucking cyclope mask at that slamboree at the end of that battle royal you guys know what i'm talking about yeah when he goes he's going after jericho and the the cruiserweight title yeah when Dean took that fucking mask off, the fucking crowd lost their goddamn minds. And 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 it, it shows the talent of the two guys. And the show shows the talent of the two guys because it's a one, like Nate said, it's a one-match show, two out of three falls. There's no holes in the match. and That we saw because of editing, obviously. Yeah. But yeah. I doubt there was any to begin with. I'm just, uh, yeah. I'm just clarifying that just due to editing. But I, I like like Nate said, it's a one match show. I'll give it an A minus just because it's Eddie and Dean, and you don't get a lot better than that. All right, guys, any closing words for our listeners this week? I'm just surprised we got a fucking hour and a half out of this. I thought it was going to be a two fucking minute show. Nate was going to say hey, chance to say hey, I was going to hey, and then Dean and Eddie wrestled. Have a good night. <laughs> I, I had a bunch of shit written down. Like I went and got milk today. I, uh, yeah, pushed well, the cart. The 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 length of this show is the last the last great contribution. Thank you, Koss, from the Iron Sheik, because he got he got us the first like thirty minutes of this show. So the memory of the Iron Sheik. This show is dedicated to him. One of the greats of all time. Um, oh, he yeah, he's top. He's. He's top one of the greatest um, uh, people of all time. <laughs> not wrestler, not sports entertainer, people. You're not going to meet us. <laughs> that, that, that shit ain't happening. <laughs> they, they ain't making that speed. You know, 
when when people do shit that you say you can't do that shit anymore, like when you were kids and shit, you ain't doing the Iron Sheet game. That <laughs> it ain't happening. Yeah, rest so, in peace, Sheiky man. Yeah, so I was gonna say we'll ra- we'll raise our frosty beverages and say R.I.P. Bubba. Uh, thanks, thanks for the fucking entertainment. Yo Ali, yo Allah. Have a great week, everybody. We'll see you next week.